It can't be that bad, oh, 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 it can't be that bad. The whole thing, Bottled in Bond, uh, is the title of whiskey that was, uh, like, essentially approved by the government to be made, and the government, like, kept track of it. So even during Prohibition, um, there would be distilleries who would make this whiskey, Bottled in Bond, and there would be, like, an armed government agent standing in front of the still every minute of the day Mm -hmm. and then like when it was put into a bourbon barrel he stood and watched it and then he watched it pretty much be exported um and that was just a way for america to to not completely destroy our liquor business um and still have prohibition because it's crazy how big of a deal liquor was at the time i watched recently just the first episode of boardwalk empire me too which is insane because it's it's we'll get to your part but yes it's an incredible perfect pilot incredible this huge political figure who is well respected in society it sets up everything for the next five seasons yes um but what were you what was your point well, just yeah, the fact that he was well respected, it's just the hip- hypocrisy in his role in society. This guy who's advocating like against liquor and like prohibition starts mm-hmm. in like five. They literally do a countdown in the first episode. Yep. And once they uh, start prohibition, they just get hammered, party. Well, He's- first they play taps. Yes. Yeah. It's like they know the joke. Oh, bro. yes. And what's so funny about the 20s is like we always taught, we were always taught like through social studies and shit that it was like, yeah. and America thought this was a good idea. So we did it. And then a couple years later, we're like, we changed our minds. Mm-hmm. But the truth is like, it was such a corrupt law, the 17th Amendment, mm-hmm. that like it was just such a like, it's unbelievable that that proves how corrupt our government is. Yeah. But look how much liquor has evolved to make this into like a pretty clean transition into the movie we're going to talk about. Oh, I don't know how you're going to do this. Let's the do whole it. No, the whole clubbing aspect of modern society, nice. like how liquor wow. liquor is a booming business mixed with, you know, the the social aspect of having to go out on a Friday or Saturday night and, you know, without liquor, it ain't a party. Right, this completely yes. legal substance is now a booming business. That it's a backbone. Yes, I mean, unfortunately for the pandemic, clubbing ain't a thing anymore. But you know, just like two years ago, that that was the thing. You're willing to pay top dollar for some for shitty liquor service, yeah. so that you could have a chance to rub up against the, uh, you know, a, a baddie's booty. Oh yeah, right. Oh, you man. you are fucking incredible. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Vice versa, man. Well, I would not have been able to make that connection. Really? Nope. What? Dude. The, I just this... started talking out my ass and you were able to bring it in into the episode. <laughs> and honestly, well done, sir. Thank you very much, yeah, man. That, like, baddies, take notes. This is how it's done. <laughs> I'm so flattered. Blushing welcome, welcome, right now. Welcome. Hey, welcome to another episode of ICBTB Podcast. Also known as... It Can't Be That Bad. Podcast. Baddies. Baddies. What it do do? My name is Alejandro. And my name is Christian. And we are here to defend a bad movie. Not just any bad movie. One of my favorite movies. A movie that I've never seen in its entirety until today. Which blows my... You will get aggressive every time I say it. I've said it three times to you today. And each time you've gotten upset. Because at least 50 times I've seen this movie. At least. You've suggested it a bunch of times since we started this podcast. I think this was one of the first movies you brought up. Yes. And I have been pushing it off because I thought it was bad. I thought it wasn't going to be worth it. Honestly, honestly, Please. one of my top favorite comedies. <gasps> Dude, not I'm even, not so even being happy. Facetious. I'm so happy that you think it's funny. Seriously, such an underrated... Because I chalked this up to SNL Films 
of the late 90s, early 2000s that were just stupid money grabs, extensions of their skits. Mm -hmm. Yes, that is what it is. But done so well. It's so fucking funny. The characters are so fucking hilarious. The costumes are so outrageous. Yes. Everybody is so committed. Yep. Really good, right? Usually I get scared to rewatch movies that... We liked as kids. We liked as kids. That meant a lot to my childhood growing up because now that I've like matured a little bit more and my comedy bone is a little more grown out, um, I just don't think that I'd like it as much. That's exactly my thinking with Airheads. Yes, but Airheads, like we reviewed Held it, up. so funny still. This movie, laughing out loud at two in the morning, um, I was You're watching a monster. this. Dude, <laughs> You're an asshole. For, for, <laughs> Fuck you, mom. <laughs> Fuck you, dad. I don't care if you're sleeping, and I don't care if you have work it's in like the morning. Pop goes like, ha 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 ha. Getting older, that I could be pretty fucking loud. We get pretty loud in the studio, and nobody seems to like care at all. Nah, that's. I mean, that's the thing with age. It comes with you know, you get hearing impaired, and I do also like that we added the speaker outside of the house so everyone in the neighborhood hears as we record too that's been fun it's for the people that don't have modern day technology that want to listen to the podcast they could hear it live you're welcome yes um we watch an incredible movie wow it's so flat i feel like you're complimenting me indirectly by calling it an incredible movie well you know on top of the fact that i think this is a really funny movie i also think that like the outside stuff that happened during the production of this film also yeah. add to these the story and lore yes. of this film. Yes. And that's why I love film. The production of the film to me is just as important as the film itself. All the stuff that happens on the set and off the set, dude. Correct. To help create this movie. Uh, we watched A Night, night at, at the, the Roxbury. Roxbury. A Night. I keep I forget the A, but it is. There's an A in there, right? Yeah, A Night at the Roxbury. Can we try it again? Uh, we watched a film called A, a night, night at, at the, the Roxbury. Roxbury. Uh, um, I have the VHS for this. Um, really? Yes, dude. That's why I watched it so many times as a kid. That VHS is fucked up wow i don't i can't tell you how many times that i've watched it put it back into the uh, vhs rewinder yep and just to put it right watch back it in. again wow and re-watching this wow. you know i watched this probably five years ago and i so this is the first time in like five years still there are jokes that blow my mind that i'm like i've heard this a million times but did not register my it. mind as a kid yes that to me martin scorsese said recently on an interview um cinema is when you can watch a movie with years in between and still learn something new about the film, about yourself, and about the human condition. This is why I love movies. Is Night, A Night at the Roxbury maybe a cinema, cinematic masterpiece? Yes. I think it actually is. Yes, dude. I think it's the most underrated cinematic masterpiece ever made. Eas- and I'm not even being facetious about that. Easily one of the most underrated, straight from sketch, SNL, yep. two theaters yep. movie. You know why I didn't want to watch the movie? Why? It's because I like the sketch. Because Jim Carrey was in it. Yes. So I always thought the movie without Jim Carrey isn't going to be as funny. You know, he helped write this movie, some parts, but he's uncredited. Yes. Yes, I did. Man. He was. He wanted to be in it, but he was. Lorne Michaels, I think, didn't want Jim Carrey to be in it. Dude, Lorne Michaels at the time had so much power. For you he listeners out there that don't know who Lorne Michaels is, uh, he's uh, the head runner, the well, executive the producer, and creator of Saturday Night Live. And so apparently you'll hear this from a lot of cast members of SNL. That he, they're terrified of him. He was also like, what, but that's how we know him as this God-fearing, or I'm sorry, this God-like, human-fearing yes. uh, figure who ran SNL. But people like my dad know Lauren Michaels as like a comedian who mm-hmm. did sketch comedy, who was on the first season of SNL because that was him and his friends doing sketch, yeah. and they somehow got a, a deal with NBC and it's on TV at midnight. You know, but how crazy is that? It is insane. And now he's like the god of comedy. You know, but 
I get it. As funny as you are on stage, when you become a businessman off stage and it's about the money and He's it's about like business man, he has a standard to uphold. And I'm not mad at him for being as scary as he is. He just wants to put on a good show. Probably the most memorable, the the highest standard sketch show uh, that there is. Right. Oh, it's the it's the pinnacle of sketch show. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times I've heard on podcasts like members of Mad TV saying like Mad TV was so ghetto like uh, and in comparison to Saturday Night Who Live. had the money, they were in Rockefeller Center, they had all this yep. shit. Can I just throw this out here real quick? Would you like to guess Lauren Michaels' net worth? $500 million. That's exactly it. You're kidding. This, You're yep. fucking... Really? This man who tells dick jokes for a living... What? Is worth half a billion dollars. He has held multiple careers in his hand. He has himself spawned the career of trillions of dollars worth of entertainment. Mm -hmm. People like Eddie Murphy. People like Chris Rock. People like Jim Carrey. People like Bill Murray. People like fucking Dan Aykroyd. Yes. Franchises like the Ghostbusters. Franchises like uh, fucking Tommy Boy. He's the reason why all of those things are it. Yes. Yes. He has the power to birth the career of so many actors. Out birth there. and end careers. We'll get to yeah, that in a minute. Man. I have a nitty gritty 45 minutes into the episode, if it pleases the court. <laughs> Let's do it, dude. We watched a movie called A Night at the Roxbury. It was rated PG-13 and was related. <laughs> we watched a movie called A Night at the Roxbury. It is rated PG-13 and was released in the year 1998. It has a runtime of one hour and 22 minutes or 82 minutes. Perfect runtime for a movie and a comedy. Comedy should be no more than 120 minutes. Great time. Great, yes. great runtime. Has a rating of 6.3 on IMDb, a 11% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 5 out of 5 from Walmart. <laughs> Dude, Walmart really <laughs> coming through. We need to have Walmart as a guest. Wasn't it? <laughs> wasn't it? Was it Airheads that was also like four out of five on Walmart? Yes, man. There's like one other random ass movie that's rated hella high on Walmart. Every single time you bring up Walmart, and I it's think it's because high. their standards are so low in terms of like you know their wholesale. It's people buying it. That's who's rating it, though. It's not movie raiders. It's like someone who bought it at Walmart and was Walmart like Walmart customers, dude. Five star service. My checkout stand was fantastic. Oh, great. Okay. Um, What's the Google users? I'm going to go with 87%. Wrong? Right? Am I on? Did I hit it on the head again? On the <gasps> nose. Fuck, dude. You knocked this motherfucker out in the first round in wow. the first second. I think the first time in Hang on. the 180 episodes we've done. Are you going to hit the trifecta? Oh, no. You put so much pressure now. The budget of this film was $17 million. I'm going to fuck it up here. The box office recoup of this film. Is thirty-five million dollars. Thirty point three. Hey, that's Christian, I'm happy with how I'm accurate so that is. I'm so happy with how accurate. Like, wow, wow, I'm wow. You, so excited. You had thirty in the pocket, but you you changed. It. I could see it in your mind. I was you about to say thirty, but I feel like I've said thirty. I think I said thirty for employee of the month. Someone correct me if I'm wrong. And I didn't want to like repeat a number since yeah. it's you know that was just last hey. week. Wow, damn, I'm, you you are. I know I say this as a joke, but I mean this. Earning every single penny of that Patreon check, Christian. I'm, you are on fire today. I'm so happy. I think I could cry. For the listeners, this is our eighth episode recording today, and Christian is on fire <laughs> right now. He is just 
killing it. Oh, oh my man. goodness. Um, let's jump into it, Christian. Night at the Roxbury. Uh, oh, Synapsis coming at you. Yep. Right at you. Thank you. Despite being into adulthood, brothers Doug and Steve Butabi still live at home and work in the flower shop owned by their dad. They exist only to hit on women at discos, though they are routinely unsuccessful until a chance run-in with Richard Greco from uh, 21 Jump Street yep. uh, gets them inside a swanky Roxbury club. Mistaken for high rollers, they meet their dream women, Vivian and Camby, and resolve to open a club of their own. This is the most misleading synopsis I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. It's um, because... They lied. I'm going to make a synopsis right here. Okay, make they it. Lied, they lied straight to your face, baddies, and I don't like hypocrites. <laughs> okay, tell, tell them why you don't like the synopsis. It sucks. I'm going to give them my own. Do it. Okay. I'm going to take their first sentence, though, because that one is good. Despite being into adulthood, brothers Doug and Steve Butabi still live at home and work in a flower shop owned by their dads. But tired of their lives as rich boys, they want to do something more and open their own club. Despite hot girls, a rich man, and Richard Greco, they do it. Hey, that's not bad. That's tell me not that's, bad. Tell me that that's not a better synopsis. You know. Mm, oh, wow. You know, I don't know. That should have been a quick answer. It's it's a it's a more simplified synopsis. Did I spoil the Is ending? Is it better? No, you didn't spoil okay, the good. ending. Okay. No, not at all. I think uh, what they show too much of is like the Vivica and Camby. Vivian and Camby, who are like in it for five minutes. They're yeah, they don't play a crazy big part. I mean, their existence does kind of uh, start the trajectory of the plot of this film. I believe they call it the inciting incident. If uh, my screenplay knowledge is as good as I think it is. They start the inciting incident <laughs> of this film. Um, Thank you, Sid Field. Man, yeah. Brushing up on your uh, script writing knowledge there. I, see. I Googled what books they use in colleges for filmmakers uh-huh. and I bought those books. Hey, dude, Google cut the, cut the middleman out, bro, right? Just read it. Hey, read it and make films on your own. Um, this movie has everybody. So many people uh, like five SNL cast members, I believe. And it's and it's produced. I've never seen a Saturday Night Live production as in the, in the opening credits until this film. Have you ever seen that? I've always seen a Lauren Michaels production. And I can't remember that I've, far. I've never seen something that is credited at like Happy Gilmore's not credited like that. Um, which I guess that's not. No, uh, that's uh, like that's Adam. But Lauren Michaels thing. produced that. Oh, did he? So he helped Adam Sandler with that. But I guess probably hand. since Happy Gilmore wasn't a sketch straight from I the SNL writers' room. What about like Superstar? We'd have to, I don't know. I'd I haven't seen check. that in so many years. Marjani will that. check it. Um, yep. Chris Kattan and Will Ferrell do this two-hander and they kill it. Impeccable chemistry. Yes. Which I want to talk about a little bit. We're going to get into the movie, but like you said before, it's about the stuff that happened backstage. I'm sorry, like Off, offset. Offset, backstage, in 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 the future. Yes. And in the past. Because because their chemistry in this film is undeniable. They are so good. They make great brothers and like well, work off each other. Very and their well. chemistry has always been really good. Their chemistry on SNL was really good. Yep. Their chemistry in, in all of the well, they've only done two movies together? Um, One movie? What was the other movie? I don't know. I was hoping you'd know. Maybe it is this is the only film. This that is done really together. the only thing that I can think of on the forefront but of my they've mind. Done that they've done a done lot together. of stuff together through SNL. Yes. And that's I always used to think of Chris Kattan and Will Ferrell together. Yes. SNL cast members, like, you know, you're going through this high-pressure thing that Lauren is putting you through. You're going to create a bond. Forged by fire. Yeah, you're on the fucking battlefield when you go out there on a Saturday night. 
live. Um, and you just fucking do it. Get this man a bonus Patreon check. <laughs> Thank you. Um, uh, no, so Chris Catan and Will Ferrell were best friends, great friends, who wrote this sketch and the original idea for the script together. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately, as we learned, when this movie stopped filming, Will Ferrell apparently, uh, according to Chris Catan, took 28 years off of talking to him. Is it 28? 28 years. They didn't speak again. I heard it wasn't until like the 23rd season of SNL. However, when they did a reunion. Oh, so they did a reunion show and everybody was there. And allegedly, Will Ferrell said one thing to Chris Kattan. Did you see what that was? No, what was it? Oh, I sorry. I saw your messages, but I didn't want to talk to you or some shit like that. He said, I saw your messages, but I don't want to talk to you. I will be professional with you and work with you, but I don't want any other relationship. Do you know if they're friends now? That's something that I want to know. And I wouldn't be surprised if they weren't. Dude. I don't. I think based on all that I've heard, Will Ferrell wants nothing to do with Kim Cattrall. Or I'm sorry, Chris Kattan. <laughs> Who did you say? Kim Cattrall from <laughs> Sex in the City. Maybe he wants nothing to do with Kim Cattrall either. Yeah, that might be right. But Chris Kattan is who we're talking about. Yeah, Chris Kattan, I, he has a very special place in my heart because of this movie and also because of the SNL sketches that he He's, was in. Gay Hitler is my favorite character. Usually... I'm not a big fan of very physical comedic actors, but he did it so well. He did it great as Mango. Yeah. He did it great as... Uh, Corky Romano. Uh, Mr... Uh, what was the monkey character that he does on SNL? Oh, uh, I don't know the name. Shit, dude. I, I, His favorite character on SNL for me is Gay Hitler. Uh, which is already knowing Chris Kattan. a dick. Fucking fantastic. Which is a line that Will Ferrell says in Step Brothers. Ooh, as a little... When he does the... When the neighbors are coming to look at the house... Oh, and he's Hitler mowing the lawn? He says, Sprecken's a dick when he's talking to his brother. And I wonder... Like, Will Ferrell must know that that's Chris Kattan's line from Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. When he delivers that line on the set of that film, does he know that he's delivering Chris Kattan's line? Well, I bet you at that point they had made peace. They had not yet. No. They okay. had not yet. Maybe. Who knows? I, I also told you earlier today, and we kind of stifled the conversation to save for this, but I think in some alternate universe, Chris Kattan is in Step Brothers, not John C. Riley. And, and I could see that. Chris Kattan is in Talladega Nights, not John C. Riley. As fantastic as the chemistry is between John C. Riley and I wouldn't and change Will it for Ferrell, anything. Would not. There is an alternate universe where Chris Kattan was not in uh, Will Ferrell's blacklist, where they made more movies together, and yes. those movies could be a different Step Brothers or Talladega Nights. I, I could not help myself but think about a Chris Kattan Will Ferrell stepbrothers it's it would be amazing because here because this film is so fucking funny like it's so easy to play two dumb brothers in a very two-dimensional way but here they actually there's there's so much to so much to unpack for both characters yes this is such a great comedy and it's going to be off written because it's an SNL sketch with Chris Kattan and Will Ferrell and honestly this is the kind of shit that that Will Ferrell does that I don't like but this is the best version of it it's great like this big character the silly kind of thing it was what I kind of get tired of with Will Ferrell because I like his stranger than fiction acting I like his more subtle real acting that he does that being said this is the best version of Will Ferrell you can get yeah this is the best bonkers version of Will Ferrell because Outside we like the grounded Will Ferrell right that we've seen in Stranger and Fish because it's the opposite of it yes and and the other point I wanted to bring up since we're still on cast members kind of yeah is Molly Shannon quietly the most reoccurring actress on our show yeah dude she was in Never Been Kissed Um, and I can't really think of anything she was else in Horse she... Girl oh she was and she was in two other films but I can't think of their names right now uh, Molly Shannon actually a very good actress the fact that you Gorgeous, have too. even like even in her 
current age, she is still a funny, smart, talented woman. And that puts to me a beautiful woman. I think she is a beautiful woman. Her humor mixed with like and her looks being like the kind of like quirky but still attractive girl still works for me, dude. Um, I need I before we move forward, I need to talk about Chris Kattan because Chris Kattan kind of has like a heartbreaking uh, 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 what do you call it? What's the word for it? Heartbreaking fall rest of his grace. yeah fall from grace is a good way to put it. Thank you. Because right here, 1998, Night at the Roxbury was probably the pinnacle of his career. He was yes. killing it on SNL, um, and he was in so many sketches, and he was in this you know this uh, this blockbuster big movie, film. this blockbuster uh, film, a film that made double its money. And it wasn't until he had suffered from a pretty bad neck injury from falling off of a table during a sketch on SNL. He broke his neck and had to have, has had to have like multiple surgeries has had to have been pulled out of Hollywood for such a long time. And for someone like him, who is a very physical actor, and like you could see it now, like he's slowly but surely coming back. He he came out with, he just wrote a book, his own memoir called "Baby Don't Hurt Me," where he talks about his experiences on SNL and like that book was incredibly revealing. I have, not to diminish anything no. you're saying here, I have a tough time reading actors' biographies because a lot of times they're made for money. That's why like Screech, rest in peace, wrote damn, the, that's right, he wrote that away. book about saved by the bell and everybody was upset and then even he came out later and was like you know i had a ghostwriter on that right you know the publishers made it say that shit because they needed to sell books and i needed money so i let them do it yeah that's the underhanded side yeah. of the publishing side of it. but that being said chris Kattan revealed a lot of stuff from the set of this film and the set of saturday night live that i don't think is false i completely believe everything he says and the people who deny him i think are are not being honest to what happens in the industry mm-hmm. um and it's just it's so, you know. Again, not to, I'm not a hypocrite. I'm just saying there's two sides of this knife. Yeah, no. When right? you're when you are writing a memoir, it could be. It has to be sellable. It it does, especially like, and I get it. If Chris Kattan were to go in the route of writing a memoir that needs to kind of help revive his career, because he did go on like a a little uh, promotional tour of when it had come out. I think in 2019, yeah. he had gone on Jimmy Fallon and he had been on some like morning talk shows, and um, you got to sell the book. Yes. But but like I just said, that does not mean I'm discrediting what he's saying in the book because I thoroughly believe what he said in this book. Mm-hmm. Um uh, nonetheless it's heartbreaking, dude. Like you could see him now. You could see the damage that that neck injury really did to him because he's only 50 years old, but he looks like he's old. aged quite a bit and it's because like now he's in this movie, you see him shirtless quite a few times, and he looks fit. I been I made the comment to you that like his chest is popping. Yeah, he has a big chest for a I, tiny I man. I did push-ups just watching this film. He was cut. Yeah, and I think it's because he spent so much time just being physical on stage and sweating, and like you know that's Doing just stuff. a workout yep. with it in itself. But like suffering a neck injury, you could see that his. He barely even has a neck from all the surgeries nowadays. Like, check him out. He was just, uh, he's the most recent guest on Tiger Belly. Oh, really? Uh, yes. And he kills it. Very You timely. can see in a, a, watching that episode with him, very sincere guy that just like wants to make people laugh. You know? He's, a, he's honestly a, a great comedian. And the physical comedy of him, it sucks that he got hurt doing yeah. SNL because think about how many comedians got hurt doing SNL and fucking ruined their lives. Like Chevy Chase. Oh, shit. Like Tracy Morgan. That's like right. Like Chris A lot of health issues from these SNL cast members, man. Jim Belushi. Yeah, man. It's, um... Lauren Michaels gets the best of you, but you ain't gonna have much left when he's done with you. That's for sure. 
Yeah, dude. I mean, Chris Kattan says that he doesn't miss the SNL days. He reminisces on it. It was I, a great time. I've never met, or I've never, well, I've never met anybody who was on SNL, but I've never heard an interview from anybody who worked on SNL who was like, man, I miss doing that. They miss like doing the show, but the six days outside of the Saturday night, yeah. or I'm sorry, the five days outside of the Saturday night and Sunday yeah. are literal hell. Yeah, because you're 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 doing rehearsal or after rehearsal after rehearsal, like and, tightening and, it up and, and coming up with new shit every fucking week. Not just new shit that's good, but new shit that has to beat out other shit. Yeah, dude. And everybody's fighting to get their face on there and their sketch on there and their screen time in. Because if not, then Chevy Chase is getting his on, and if not, Tracy Morgan's getting. You know what I mean? Like because all these featured cast members are trying to be permanent cast members, dude. It's a competition, wow. dude. That's showbiz, man. Like as much as a, as you are a team at the end of the day, you, the industry is so dirty where you have to be the best person on set. And that we'll get to it later, but it was hard to pick mine on this episode. Oh, it, it was still easy for me to pick mine. Chris after watching, yes, dude, Chris Kattan. He's mine as well. But wow. Spoilers. Yes. Okay. Spoilers. Let's talk about the movie. I know. We can get into the movie. This isn't at all like um, a bad episode. I think this is great. Oh, I'm having fun. uh, This is somebody's first film ever, though. Uh, Wait, wait, wait. I think I... Ava Mendez. Correct. Amundo. She is a beautiful bridesmaid to Molly Shannon in this film. For... 30 seconds in this film. Her breasts are looked at by Will Ferrell. Oh, I thought I thought you were going to say by you. By me? I mean, you're forced to look at it. The camera just kind of like frames the boobs here. Yes, that's true. That's true. Um, but she is looking young. She still looks the same. As she, Will, she looks great. Fun fact, Will Ferrell did another movie with her after this. Yes, he did. Uh, the Other, the other guys, guys. And he's married to her. So funny Do how that works. Do you think what? it's the same character? No. Oh, we're going to do the ICBTP no, 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 thing no, no, of saying not, this is No the... way, no way, no, no way. That's no, hard to connect. No way, no way. Um, I do want to give a special shout out to one of my favorite actors on this film. Who? Taz Parliamentary. Oh, who is, um? what's the name of the, uh, Mr. Mr. Z? Ziatari. Z- Wait, we got him right here. Benny Zadir. 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 Z- of Zadir Industries, the club owner, the owner of the Roxbury. But you guys would know Chaz better from like a Bronx tale. Yes. And like every gangster film ever. And also that one zombies map on Alcatraz. Is that him? Yeah. You're kidding. That's him. You're blowing my mind. For both the voice and the design of the character. You know, I really only know him from this. I know that he's from a Bronx tale. You are fucking me, right? He's in The Sopranos. He's like literally in every gangster's film. No, no, no. I know that he's in a bunch of gangster's film. Okay. But Uh, but this is when you see him, this is the movie you think of? I think this. Because I saw this as a kid. It took me... Literally until they go into that final club to realize that that was him. Yeah. I could not recognize him for so long. And then when I finally was like, that's a Bronx tale. Yes, that's, that's a- him. He has such a distinctive face, man. And now but here he, he has, is. Like, he has a lot of facial hair. Right. And like he doesn't usually have that kind of hair. He usually has it slicked back like a greasy guap. I'm yes. sorry, Italian. Italian. I don't know what you call him now. <laughs> Anyways, um, incredible. Yes. Impeccable. To see him playing this nightclub owner who's accusing Anyone and everyone of grabbing his ass. Did you grab my ass? Did you grab my ass? It'd be all right if you did. Uh, sir, from where I'm standing, it's a physical impossibility for me to grab your ass. That line that you're quoting is from the incredible Colin funny Quinn. Colin Quinn. Yes. Another I, SNL cast member. I lo- yes. I love Colin Quinn. And now he's been a, a hair tainted for me. Only in the sense that I imagine Colin Quinn as the cranky old man from Trainwreck. 
Every time I oh. see him now. Every time I see him now, because I think that character of Amy Schumer's cranky old dad yes. was the best character Colin Quinn has ever done. It's just it's really an exaggeration because Colin Quinn, kind of like a cranky New Yorker, you know what I'm talking about? You and know, I like it. That's dude. the best. I love Colin Quinn. I think he's an incredible comedian. His stand-up is fantastic, but that character is truly, honestly, so good. Is Train like really bad Nicole? Would you train wreck? I think it was it did pretty well. I don't I know. I think it did too, but maybe now people have rated it better. We'll take a look at it. I can't people imagine. People hate Amy Schumer, so I wouldn't be surprised if some people Well, like, she's accused of like stealing jokes, man. She you know, you know, it's she definitely probably took a couple, but a lot of her other stuff wasn't stolen. Um anyways, yeah. <laughs> that's a that's our train wreck episode that I'll have to listen to in God, the future. I can't wait to do that. A night at the Roxbury. Are you familiar with the club in Hollywood? Oh, the actual Roxbury? Yes. No, dude. I rem- The Roxbury, to me, is like the place of place. Like, it's the um, well, whiskey-a-go-go it, to the 80s kids. It makes sense that they had to choose a notable club that actually existed to, like, match these crazy characters from the sketch. Especially if it's going to be the title, right? Because they... I, I just... I, let me get one more deep breath in because we're going to go into this episode, and I just want to be prepared. So let me get one more breath of oxygen in. Okay, you do it. This film is fucking incredible. So good. And I'm once again. The fact that they use I'm so the flattered. real Club of the Roxbury. The fact that they use like real Rodeo Drive. The house that Wait, they live in. Let's talk about the <laughs> first <at> time. <laughs> so Richard Grieco gets them into the club and the shots but that the, they use to get them into the club. Hang on. The first time that they go into the first time they try to get into the Roxbury. Michael Clark Duncan shuts them Rest down. Rest in peace, by the way. Big guy, um, shut them down. down because he's not on the list. But who walks in? Richard Grieco. And then that comes back again later. The next time they come to the Roxbury, Richard, Richard Grieco, Grieco actually crashed into them. And so, in order for him to avoid a lawsuit, he's like, "Oh, I'll take you to the Roxbury." And these guys are so dumb that they are not even thinking of their uh, potential neck injuries or their like damaged plant. Well, van. they don't have neck injuries because they were able to still do their dance. That's move. their test. That is their. Speaking of which, how have we not brought up that infamous head bob? Because that's going to be our promo. It's just going to be us. We'll record that at the end. Um, <laughs> but yes, so Richard Grieco hits them. Uh, and so to avoid a lawsuit, he says, uh, what's up, guys? And they're like, we were just on our way to the Roxbury, but we can never get in. He's like, I can get you in. And they're like, and if, fuck yeah. For those millennials out there who don't know who Richard Grieco is, he was... In 21 Jump Street with Johnny Depp. And 21 Jump Street is a show from the 80s yes. uh, about guys who were in the police force. Oh, you guys are familiar with the Channing Tatum, Jonah Hill movie. Uh, that's a remake of 21 Jump Street, which was a TV show. Yep. And now we're back to our adult listeners who are listening. Yes. Uh, and so Richard Grieco gets them into uh, the Roxbury. The Roxbury was a club that was very... <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, I want to bring it back to Michael Clark Duncan. They try bribing him because they see some dude go in and like hand him money. Fast math. How much did they try and bribe him with? It's not fast math. I've read it. It's 825. <laughs> but it's so funny how they try to bribe him. They're like, oh, I got a friend here that might convince you. Uh, George Washington. No, Mr. Lincoln. Oh, Lincoln. They start off with a fiver. Mr. Washington. So Washington. They're starting with $6. Yes. These rich boys only have a few bucks in their pockets. My favorite part is when Michael Corkin just tips his clip or whatever and pats it. Not two times, not three times, like six times. To make sure all of the change is out. It's out. There's no money and on that clipboard. And away from him. I love it. Even the way that these two guys wait in line tell they- the same story to these women. So... 
like I said, I've been giving myself a crash course in college script writing. Let's hear it. And one of the things that I've learned is how you have to always progress the screenplay in a forward direction. Yes. So if you show a montage or you show something, it's got to progress a storyline. What that showed us was that they tell the same story to every single girl. We see it in four or five different frames. And we also know that time is progressing as they're moving forward in the line mm -hmm. all the way to the precipice where they get to the front of the line. And Michael Clark Duncan says, uh, Roxbury's closed. And they don't get to go in. They're really just at the front. And they, they've waited. It's already like probably 2 a.m. Yes. Because they got in line. What time do like, you think clubs close? Fucking uh, three two, a, yeah, two, two or a, three, dude. Yeah. I mean, depending on what state you're I, in, I'm when do they close the yeah, liquor, right? I don't right? club. I don't go to club. It's yeah. been a minute since I, I've clubbed, man. I hate clubs. I've been, to, I've been to a couple of clubs with you. That one experience was fun. But every, <laughs> every other time I go to a club, I hate the amount of people. Well, the clubbing is loud. as much as it is a test of human beings. Uh, you know, nature Fortitude. and our like uh, animalistic, animalistic vibes. instincts, and yes. like you know, this is me trying to like Dance find a mate and, and peacock and show you my yeah without having a conversation. Is the club secretly the most animalistic? Not even secretly, yet dude. most sophisticated. No, there's no mm, depends there what club. Is. There's always like a super high level because the one thing I really got a kick out of was the way that people were dressed in these clubs. Because my thing was like, this is very 1990s club, mm -hmm. and all of those clothes cost like hundreds of dollars. A lot of money. And now all those clothes are jokes. Honestly, I would still wear whatever uh, Steve and Doug Butabi were wearing in this movie. The a silk blazers. The, with the, the shark fin suit. Yes, with the black tee and a gold chain. I, I don't know about the gold chain, but I'd wear, I'd wear a shark fin suit. I'd wear the gold chain, I'd wear dude. a shark fin suit. For I sure. mean, we should try it on. If we could go to a thrift store. Halloween. Yes, Halloween. Honestly, you could be Will, uh, Will Ferrell and I could be Damn, Chris I Kattan. wanted to be Chris Kattan. But, dude, look at our height difference. Come on. <gasps> That's what makes it funny. No, that would... <laughs> People would be like, oh, are you Chris Kattan and you're Will Ferrell? No, no, actually, I'm... Chris Kattan. And I'm Will Ferrell. You'd have to comb your hair, like, part down the middle. I think, which makes more sense for you to do, because you did that in which grade school. Which makes it funnier. What, that I would do it? Because it's a joke on a joke. It's a hat on a hat. It's too meta for some people. You're though. right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. And Chris This Kattan. is why we need each other for comedy. Yeah, this is, dude, it, this is Chris Kattan compliments Will Ferrell and vice versa. Christian Balthazar compliments Marjani. Oh. Oh, Marjani. Shout out Marjani. Check out the other episodes, y'all. Um This is your favorite movie. Yes, one of. How over under a hundred times, how many times have you seen it? I would say fifty. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's actually yeah, I a hundred's a bad number. I fifty is actually far more reasonable. Yeah, I mean, because I also had other VHSs that I wanted to bounce off. But the from. fact that you have it as a VHS and still have it to this day isn't a testament to how much you love this film. Uh dude, it's and it's in great condition still. The the VHS box is sparkly, golden, and it's so cool. I'll I'll show it, I'll post it. Yes, you will you have to post it. I um, have to. What's your favorite scene, Christian? I and think what's your least favorite scene? That's hard. That second, the latter will be definitely harder. We'll to save do, that for the second answer. question. Then. So th I have two favorite scenes, mm, and okay. they're very close to each other. So when they finally get into the Roxbury, and it's the camera shots are so beautiful, and they really show how glorious this nightclub is, especially with the music. The music that they play in this movie, the entire soundtrack is 
banging and makes me want to have been like you're getting a little you're getting a little ahead of yourself here but yes yeah and i know it's completely subjective (laughs) yeah i was with you to a good point of that but hey try bumping it in your car with the bass up some of the songs here if not all slap you know what tomorrow i go to work at 6 a.m i'm going to i'll give you the top three songs that you should slap in order go for sure. Oh, right now? Yes. The one that goes la da da dee da 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 I'm not gonna say Hadaway's What Is Love because that everyone That's a great fun fact about that first song we sang. I always thought that was the same song as the X Men theme song. No, dude. Man, what a crazy mashup, man. Can you imagine a DJ? A DJ? DJ Handsome Rob. Make that mashup for us, please. Start off with whatever the name of the song is. Uh, Be My Lover is the name of the song. Be My Lover and the X-Men theme song. Please, DJ Handsome Rob, if you love us at all. Mix those two together and drop that. Also, shout out Real Buzz Crew, our best friends over in Kansas City. Yes, yes. Um, um, But that is my favorite scene. To get back to it, that and showing how glorious it is. And um, afterwards, that same night, there are two gold diggers in the club known as Vivica and um, Camby, and they are scoping out who to prey on next. And they see that Vivica's finest shiny diamonds. You know who Vivica is, right? Who? Jennifer Coolidge. You know who Jennifer <gasps> Coolidge is? Stifler's mom. No, no, no. I'm no. sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's Hottie Cop. Yes. The, the cop. Hottie Cop is Stifler's mom. Yes. yes I'm yes, so yes. sorry. Which I didn't recognize her when she came up to the window. I only recognized her at the club. At the club, at the it club looks like she it. like aged a hundred years by the time the club scene came. She looks good as a, a cop, but she does not look good when she, she's. Club she looks hopping. like Stifler's mom at the club. Yeah, she looks like a hot cop in the movie. Interesting casting choice, but hey, I'm now not Christian, curveball. What? Your least favorite scene of this movie? Um, before I get into that, <laughs> no, I, I got to talk about that one scene. My my second favorite. Oh, scene oh yes, yes, yes. Was when they finally uh, when in. the girls, uh, Vivica and Camby, walk up to Steve and Doug Uh in slow motion and they're freaking out because this never happens to them and they're asked to dance and this whole dancing montage so funny first of all they're asked to dance and they're like do you want to dance and Chris Kattan tells Will Ferrell no they already said yes (laughs) that's one of my favorite jokes of the entire also the joke the through line joke of them like being virgins and only knowing opening lines because they've never gotten past that point yes 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 so here they are on the couch or in the bedroom with these women who are fine as shit Shiny diamonds. I like candy. And so they're sitting there and they think to them and they think to themselves, well, we got to say the things that we know. All they know is this story about when they saw Emilio Estevez at a payphone. So as they're making out, (laughs) you know, Vivica is biting and tugging on Will Ferrell's lower lip and he's telling the story still, not getting the sign. Like, dude, you're about to have sex. He's like, what do you, he even asks her a question. She's like, what's your favorite? Yeah. And so Chris Kattan in the other room right across the hall. Getting his lip bitten. Getting his lip bitten is saying these opening lines. He's saying, do you like blueberries or strawberries? And she's like, why? He's like, I don't know what kind of pancakes to make in the morning. And does this Chris Kattan laugh? And she's and like so confused. Is that a mirror in your pocket? Because I think I see myself in your pants. And Camby is annoyed at this point because she's just trying to get it in. Well, she's trying to get money from these Men who have a lot because when they're gold diggers, that's not what women do, that's what these characters do. Yeah, they they SNL or 
Chris Kattan and Will Ferrell, having written this, did a good job of really framing the stupidity. They have gold diggers. Of gold diggers and the stupidity of their own characters who are very dumb people that take hit it, on every it. woman. But also like that dumb and dumber bit of like, uh, they're hitting on me because they think I'm super rich. But then when they find out later that they like don't have a car and they're trying to get them in their van, they're like, fuck you. Like, we're not about this. And You're then they a like, waste le- of time. Then they leave them. Uh, spoilers. Yes. Um, I, Yes funny dude and hilarious so when they're about to have sex these girls both say oh my god is this your first time and chris katan and will ferrell are trying to play it off like no or will ferrell says says yes he says yes isn't it yours (laughs) the most innocent way to respond you're will ferrell who me and i'm chris katan well yeah i guess but you look like chris katan i'll take that i'll take that compliment just our heights (laughs) no no that's true just our heights we look nothing like these two actors dude um worst your least favorite scene in the film please um i think it has to be when colin quinn doesn't let them in doesn't let them to see zadir (laughs) For the meeting that Zadir wants to have. Because <laughs> Zadir's been looking for them for hours. For hours. He's like, hey, Dewey, where are the two men, uh, the two boys from last night with the idea? Get them here. And Colin Quinn lies and, you know, shoes them out of the building. And then, but but Colin Quinn also has a reason to. Because they make a your mother and a your father joke. In the limo. Yes, because they think that just because the glass is up, Colin Quinn can't hear them. I think it, that's so that's my favorite bit, Evelyn Colin Quinn's like, why don't you ask my mother or my father? Yes. For you listeners that are confused that haven't seen the movie and don't know the bit, they get into the limo after the night at the Roxbury. With Zadir and their two lady friends. Yes. And uh, they're just making fun of Colin Quinn because he's just the limo driver. And so there's that power dynamic. And so he uh, has the window separating the driver from the people in the backseat. I believe Beyonce called it a partition. A partition. And they uh, Chris Kattan says... Oh, do you remember what he, how he says it? He's like, uh, yeah, I had a good time. You can ask your mom about it. Yes, and Will Ferrell says, yeah, you could ask your dad too. And I was, and then they're like, no, no, no. And Will Ferrell's like, oh, I mean your sister. <laughs> nice save. Great save. And in that same scene, <laughs> they recommend Fluffy Whip. They, recom- they say sometimes we get whipped cream, and before the cream comes out, we just like to suck on it. And it just, you know, makes us feel really good and that's whippets yeah you mean nitrous oxide that's straight up whippets dude that is what it is yes. dude. which that's an example of a joke in this movie that i did not understand as a kid i thought that they're like they like just like eating yeah yeah they just like eating whipped cream man fat boy and so yeah fuck yeah dude because whipped cream I've was good too. i'm not saying that i haven't um but i never like, thought about it never thought about it um i love the fact that Molly Shannon's character is the made to marry you like life partner. Like your dad has this whole vision of his children. This is who you're going to be set up with. It's going to help the whole family. This is what's going to happen. And Molly Shannon is a perfect woman until we find out that Molly Shannon is actually like a major bitch. She's a control freak. Man. Yeah. Like a major jerk. And it's like interesting to see Will Ferrell like uh, lose his control of his life and just like yeah okay i guess i'll marry molly shannon and watch molly shannon like do weird things with strawberries and then like make him do a toast and like i just felt so bad for will ferrell's character because he didn't have this was right after he and chris Kattan's character get into a fight and so he doesn't have chris Kattan there to like you know defend him from this crazy girl because again 
why I'm Chris Kattan. <laughs> what? What's that supposed to mean? I love you. You would protect me from a crazy girl? I would protect you from anything. Oh, really? I'd jump on a grenade for you. Oh, Bruno Mars. Thank you. I appreciate that. But, uh, okay. <gasps> You're supposed to say I'd do that for you, too. I would do that for you, dude. Oh, my I definitely God. would. Oh, my God. I'll take a bunch of bullets for you. I would. I would. How many is a bunch? I mean, a, a clip. A full clip. That's a lot. How many is that? Depends on the gun. I don't know. I'm dead already, Pick dude. Pick a number. I'm dead. How many? Uh, 32. I would take 33 for you. That's fucked up, and that's a fucked up clip. I don't think I don't know if clips... Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I only play Call of Duty, so I don't know how many like <laughs> bullets are in a clip. Uh, you know, it depends on the gun, but also whatever amount of bullets you pick, I pick one, one more. more. <laughs> Fuck out of here, dude. <laughs> Fuck out of here, dude. This, this, what, what is this, a competition about like who who's a better martyr? Fuck you, dude. <laughs> Yeah, no, come on. I already, like, what? What? Come on. Do, do I have to say all this stuff? Yes, yeah, so I jump on a grenade for you. Yeah, yes. Yeah, man. I jump on two grenades. Stop. Fuck you. Fuck out of here, dude. All this so you could be Chris Kattan and I have to be Will Ferrell? I'm sorry. Okay, you're right. You're right. I'm I've laughing. seen this 50 times. I'm I, laughing really hard. It's, it's pushing on my bladder. Yeah. Oh, uh, I hope you piss yourself. Oh, kinky. Um, um, Gross. Oh, God. So Molly Shannon is also in this film. Um, and she is the she annoying Emily. next uh, uh, girl next door. Well, you don't think that's annoying? She's girl, no, literally no, 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 no. chasing their car as they I drive away. I think it's girl next door that I have a problem with. Mm. But she's literal ne- girl next yes. door. That's what um, I do love when she's singing the Cheers theme because their mom is from Cheers. Yes. Yes. And, and even th- their dad was in a few episodes of Cheers. It took me a minute to figure out where when he started playing the piano, I was like, I know this song. And like, it, I kind of forget sometimes the Cheers theme song in the beginning. I know. The, oh my gosh. Dun, 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 I only, yeah, that song, that scene, I know so well. I know when it cuts off and I know when Chris Kattan goes into his rant where he was like, you can take away our cars, you can take away our keys, but you can never take away blah, 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 blah. And because I've seen this movie so many times. So good. It's, it's really The whole montage of them getting ready in the bathroom too. Uh, to Rod Stewart's, if you like my body and you think that whole thing, what a great montage. That song reminds me of the Chips Ahoy commercial from like 2004. That's very specific. Yep. Um, I think this is such a great film. I'm sorry I pushed it off for this long, honestly. Yeah, dude. I've brought it up a few times. A lot. Since we started the idea for this podcast. I knew it was definitely something that we had to do eventually and i'm glad that you agreed to it by the way baddies it's available on hulu and prime video if you want to check it um so check that out do you have a best person on set award it's gonna go to chris Kattan. mine's also gonna go to chris Kattan with a special shout out to amy heckling and tell the baddies who that is amy heckling was a producer on this film who was supposed to be the director of this film and according to chris Kattan, you know what? i don't even want to i don't even want to get into it actually if you want to get into it, you can look it up online. I like this film. I don't want to taint this in any kind of way. You won't taint it. I no. think I think we owe it to the listeners to tell them we're this far. You're or else you're going to be blue balling them. You know, honestly, this is the whole reason why. Oh, we never even told them why Will Ferrell stopped talking to Chris Kattan, and this is really what that is. It is, but it's t- it's. I I don't know why I feel like this because generally I would never feel like this. Do you want me to say it? I almost feel like I'm, yes, because I feel like I'm airing out someone else's dirty laundry because I feel bad for their friendship. You know, here's what it is. Real quick, before you tell the story. What? I feel bad for their friendship. 
I feel bad that Chris Kattan and Will Ferrell lost how close of a bond that they had as best as as what seemed to be best friends and good co-workers and good actors together. I feel bad about the It sucks. Especially because it's like outside forces destroyed their relationship. And and yep. so I feel bad telling the story. So you go ahead and, and take it from here. So it's um apparently Allegedly. Allegedly, I guess is a better term. Chris Kattan had um an ro- affair. Had an affair. Would you call it an affair? Was he married? At- no, he. She was know. though. Oh, she was. Mm-hmm. Okay, I didn't know that part. So he had an affair with Amy Heckerling, who is the producer, who is a producer on Saturday Night Live, a director of a few SNL films, and is a producer for this film specifically. Yeah, she did Clueless, and she did yep. a bunch of other stuff. She was supposed to direct this film, uh, and rumor has it that she was going to drop out unless Chris Kattan slept with her not unless she was going to drop out because Chris Kattan didn't want to sleep with her oh and the story goes that the next day after she made her advances on Chris Kattan at 27 years old he gets a call from Lauren Michaels who tells him that they're going to cancel this film if um Paramount is going to cancel this film if Amy's not attached to it and if you got to do whatever you got to do to keep Amy happy you do it damn dude and Chris that's heavy hung up the phone and had to do and and felt like he was being pressured into having a physical relationship with her yes and um her daughter has come out later and there's quite a bit of drama that goes on with with amy's life like her daughter believes her father was her biological father was somebody else and then it came out later in her life that it was actually harold ramus mm-hmm. um and then you know her, her her mom had a very difficult struggle with um her body image and you know cocaine was very prevalent in the early years of saturday night live um so they had their problems and her daughter molly says that this was nothing more than just an affair chris Kattan is blowing this out of proportion and their affair started well into the production of the film had nothing to do with amy joining the film but that's because it's an abuse of power Mm -hmm. and um it's tough to not agree with a victim just because it's a man yeah and and yeah. it's like hard you believe all women but we also believe all victims and so people are really torn it's it's a very it's a can of worms that's why i was really hesitant to get into I it i mean nonetheless yes you're right it is an abuse of power and in putting that to put in that position especially with the pressure that you already have with snl and also because amy was 43 and chris Kattan at the time was 27 young so young and if you flip the rules it would be an, an abuse of power that is very clear and we would we would crucify Chris yeah. Kattan if it was flipped. And it was one of like so much pressure because this is potentially one of the biggest career choices of his life, you know, bringing one of a, this popular SNL sketch. He's he's damned if he is. He's damned if he isn't because look what happened. He ended up, some people say Will Ferrell doesn't talk to Chris Kattan because some, some rumors are that Will Ferrell had a, a connection to Amy. Some people say it's because Will Ferrell was upset that Chris Kattan was able to be so manipulated by Lauren Michaels. And unprofessional, yeah. And some people think it's because Will Ferrell saw that as um, Chris Kattan's way of getting closer to Lauren Michaels and make him bigger. Will Ferrell wanted to be a bigger starter to Lauren Michaels and took it the other way. So there's a lot of speculation yes. in this story, and and this is all conjecture. Yes. Uh, even like we said in the beginning, even if we're quoting his book. It's it's all conjecture and alleged. Yeah, who knows the truth? I mean, there's a bunch of different uh, stories from different individuals, but you who, know, who knows the truth? But I do believe the stories. Yes, because if it wasn't true, why does SNL keep denying? Why does SNL keep denying interviews and denying to say anything? There is some truth in the stories, and you know, maybe not all of it. The but entertainment industry is a with is a dirty, 
dirty industry where shit like this does happen. And like it can ruin careers like Chris Kattan's career. You know, he he committed so hard, he literally broke his neck. And, you know, he was put into this position where he had to like, where it potentially lost him a good friendship with someone he had great on-screen chemistry with, Will Ferrell. And it's, he, he just, and I don't, I like, I told you this before, and I got this quote from Bobby Lee, I don't know what I don't know, right? Wow. And it's, uh, that's true, dude. And like, I want to hope that the choices that were made, you know, he didn't make it in with intent to hurt anyone. But what I do know is that somebody was hurt. Somebody was hurt, but without this, a lot of people were hurt. Actually, whatever happened, this film was made, and this film is has become and is a piece of me because it is a yeah. piece of my childhood, and it is a um nail in the long line of nails of cinema history that are just you know part of the whole beautiful picture, but nonetheless an important piece. Yes, the production of this film is a classic story of Hollywood drama. The, excuse me, the um, result of this film is a classic storyline of Hollywood drama. The people in this movie are classic storylines. Everybody from Molly Shannon to Will Ferrell to Chris Kattan. Yes. To, you know, the fucking, it's filmed in LA. Like even Rodeo Drive is different now. Like every Mm -hmm. character from the Roxbury to Chris Kattan has changed and grown over the years. Like it's just, it's a it's a tentpole in cinema because people don't realize what this film meant to the people who made our childhood. Will Ferrell, Molly Shannon, Lauren Michaels, Chris Kattan, right? Both of us yeah. are very influenced by these people because we do comedy and because we do yeah. this shit. We wouldn't be doing this shit without them. And I think this was like just a fun way to see what what life was like during that time with the music. The music is so dated, but like I said, and I know it's subjective, I fucking love the music. I do, to a point. And the fashion too. I do love that. Right? The fashion was so glamorous and like to just see uh, the wealthy clubbing scene. And it's uh, as exaggerated as as it was, there's truth in that. And like, wow, to live in like, where were they? Were they in Southern California? or Okay. Straight up, like downtown LA, like Beverly Hills, Rodeo Drive. Yes, so they're, uh, you know, L.A. Yeah. in the Beach. late 90s, something that I wouldn't have been able to see because I was five years old. Well, that's when I was there. <laughs> yeah. Well, the you, early 90s, I But least. you couldn't get into the Roxbury. I, I, not as a baby. You're right. Yeah. No babies allowed at the Roxbury. <laughs> Although I would have been on the list. Let's be honest here. Oh, as a baby? I would have been on the list. Get this child into the Roxbury. Uh, this kid knows Richard Grieco. Alejandro Min, uh, Adrian Mendoza Middleton knows Richard Grieco. This five-year-old? Get him into the Roxbury. That is correct, Amundo. Would be really cool. What would you rate this film? Dude, 10 out of 5. I also give it a 10 out of 5. That's right. You guys, you know, if you could do your math, that is a solid 2. 10 divided by 5. <laughs> oh, you're making it sound bad. It's actually 20, so it's actually 4 out of 5. What? Because my my 10 and your 10 together. Oh, you're adding it? I don't know, man. This is made up math. <laughs> no. Don't get mad at me when we're both making up math here. It was you're true getting, math. You're getting mad at me for made up math. I'm also making up math. I didn't get mad. I was just questioning questioning question other things i don't know that's hard for me to not question my dad was an accountant so numbers run my life well jewels run mine jewels yes the hence the rings and the bracelets and i actually don't wear a lot of jewelry well i do wear a lot of jewelry actually i wear rings and watches and yeah so you wouldn't wear a gold chain like these boys did in this movie i don't wear a lot of gold 
period. I'm mm. more of a silver fan. Ah, so you okay? Wear a silver chain. Yeah, I wear a black silver tea. chain or platinum. I'd wear platinum. Hey, do it. As do long it. as you have a silk blazer on, and we can go to the Roxbury. And I will be Will Ferrell because I can part my hair down the middle. Huge shout out to Operator Two Three Eight in this film, who oh, is um, a the credit vixen. I was just gonna say her voice. Honestly, can you pull up that actress's name? Yeah, of course. Fattest crush on her. I think she was the most attractive woman in this movie, just because of her voice and how. I don't know. Being a singer and like talking voices means so much to me. The credit fiction to me was actually like quite a surprise because she seemed to me like somebody who would keep showing up in other films. But I honestly don't know her from anything. Same. Um, Her name is Meredith Scott Lynn. Meredith Scott Lynn. And she's most known for her roles in I Love You, Don't Touch Me, Bill's Hollywood Screen, The Three Tales Movie. A Mermaid Story, and The Marshall's Chronicles. Sorry, don't know you from any of those films, Meredith. But Literally not a single one. Uh, you killed it in this film, I'll tell you And that. that's why we like you. Yes, so shout out to you. And shout out to us. Uh, yeah, shout out to ICBTB Podcast. And shout out to Call underscore Me Jesus. Uh, shout out to Christian Has Asthma. And shout out to the orphans of the world. Yes, it must be very difficult not having parents. And, and uh, you know, guys, it's too difficult in this country to adopt. It should be easier. That's a fact. Yes. Um, let's help out the kids. If it's possible, try to stop making babies as much. 100% stop making babies. That's actually, that's actually the point of this podcast. Yeah, it's the point of this episode is not a night at the Roxbury. No. Uh, stop making babies. That is the moral of this episode. So we'll end it with uh, those famous three words, Christian. Kiss my ass. Oh. Did you you touch my ass? Bye.